Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope you're having a good week. It's a busy week here at Mission Control. <clears throat> I have prepared you guys. I will be leaving for New Mexico. Again, hopefully it's the last trip I ever have to make to New Mexico. I may get miserable next month and decide to go, but I'm uh, going to be meeting her in Nashville at some point next month, and then uh, she'll be home, and your good friend and host will be quite happy about that. But I'll be out there on Friday. So again, a programming note, four work days left in the week for me. I'll be recording three of those four. So we'll record today, Wednesday, and then Thursday night. And so we'll, uh, we'll get moving Friday. And then I will bring my stuff with me. The plan is to record Sunday night or Monday while I'm out there. So we'll see how things go. She sleeps a lot later than me. So the plan is probably Monday morning. I'll get up and record you guys a show. Uh, so, again, that's your programming note for this week and the first part of next week, and then I'll be back. And then, uh, you know, we'll have a lot to talk about. Guys, we're, we're like a month away from college baseball season. Did it sneak up on you? I'm ready. I, I'm absolutely ready. I'm ready to see the new-look Bulldogs. I believe we're going to be a very good team this year, eager to see how we can pitch it. That's going to determine a lot. I mean, offensively, last year we were kind of up and down at times. I think we're going to be a much better offensive team this year. We'll miss R.J. Yeager, of course, and uh, Logan Tanner, Cam James, the whole crew there, Landon Sims, of course. But the reality of it is we're Mississippi State. We don't rebuild, we reload. Last year is an anomaly for us. And that's what I suspect that you're going to see this year as Mississippi State right back in the mix for the hosting discussion. How good we can be will depend on the pitching staff. I think we're going to be a lot better on the back end. That was really the issue last year. You know, talking to Scott Foxhall, who talks about, you know, having some guys go out there and get you three outs, and then you get and you pass off to the next guy. I mean, you look at what we did in, in 2021. That's what made us so successful. That's what gave us so much confidence in the bullpen. If you could have a starter get you through the order twice, maybe get to the fifth inning, you felt really good about life because you knew you had enough arms on the back end to nail that thing down, proved to be some of the best arms in the country. So I don't know if we're going to be able to make that same claim this year, but I think we're going to follow that same model. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I had Bulldog Burger Company for lunch. I had the Sloppy Joe sliders with mac and cheese as the side. I'm not sure what Ian had. I know that it was a burger and fries. He likes that Freshman 15, which was the, I guess, the second burger I ever had at Bulldog Burger Company years ago. Had the Bulldog first because I wasn't quite ready to kind of get off the beaten path. It was good. It was great. Kept me coming back. They weren't even sponsoring the show yet. And I was like, you know what? I like this place. I like the atmosphere. I like the ambiance. I like the quality of the food. I like the price that I pay. I like the size of the portions. So they hooked me in long before we hooked them in. So go by and check them out. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Stark Vegas with that great new patio area. Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. And, of course, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo which is a fabulous location. If you hadn't been buying frequent of that, let me encourage you. Maybe you're doing business in Tupelo and you're not quite sure what to get. Bulldog Burger Company can get you taken care of. Get that chocolate shake to go, and as always, get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. I've had so many people that um, have said, Steve, I'm willing to give a testimonial to this. I was just a very average-looking person, but now after regularly eating the spring rolls, I have become a very beautiful human being can happen for you too. It's in writing, so you know it's true. Check the menu next time you're in town. 
Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's open the show and talk a little uh, basketball. Kind of a mixed bag weekend for us, right? You know, that's just kind of the reality of all that stuff. I mean, it's, you know, here's the thing, and I've said this before, and we'll say it again. I have no doubt about Chris Jans. Zero. Zero doubt about Chris Jans. The level of effort that he's getting from this team is outstanding. We're not getting the wins we want. A lot of that's got to do with the personnel that we have, and that's not a criticism, but the reality of it is is we just don't have enough shooters. Got a couple guys that can, that can swing it pretty good, but uh, we don't have enough. And so then all of a sudden, you know, people begin to, um, to kind of shade to that side, right? All of a sudden, they're going to make somebody else beat you. It almost makes you wonder what this team could look like without, with Iverson Molinar. You know, if you had like one prolific score that could keep everybody honest. We drop a, drop a tough game on the road against Auburn over the weekend. 9,121 Plainsman fans attended. Some of you guys were there. Not a lot of you, but some. We didn't get off to a great start, but we ended up kind of figuring some things out. And I think this season, may this game may be a microcosm of our season, that we'll kind of scuffle a little bit. We'll get some things figured out offensively. And maybe we come up a little short of where we want to be. But I think this year is going to be a building block for a bigger future. I just encourage you, again, remain patient with this. And most of you have. I mean, really, you have. I mean, you get frustrated when we lose. But I think our fans have done a good job kind of understanding the situation for kind of what it is. But, yeah, we didn't get off to a good start. I mean, you look up there after, you know, it's a under-12 timeout, you know, and it's 15-8 to 8 Auburn, and it just felt like we couldn't do anything. We just couldn't do anything. Like, no matter what we did, you know, that's <laughs> – it seems like we just could not narrow the gap. You look up under nine there, and we're down 10, 22 to 12. And, again, it's like same story, different you know, opponent. We just simply can't put the ball in the basket. State goes on a little bit of a run. We cut it to six. Gets all the way down to four with just over five minutes to play in the first half. And you're like, okay, well, now all of a sudden we're making a game of this thing. At the four-minute mark, State's down 25-23, and Jalen Williams misses a three-pointer for Auburn we got a chance to pull even here. We don't. We go a little bit cold. Nobody scores until the final minute of the half, and, and that's Auburn. It stretches it back out uh, to eight points. So we're in it at the break and had a chance to make it much more competitive. But considering how poorly we shot it in that first half, the fact that we're within single digits is a pretty big accomplishment. Not that we're looking for moral victories, but you start thinking, you know, if we could just figure some things out offensively, we got a chance here because defensively we're giving them some trouble. They come right back out and go right back to work, take it out to 10. And then uh, I guess it's uh, right at the 60-minute mark, we're only down six. And then Jalen Williams, again, with a three-perimeter defense at times is a little bit of a challenge for State. The lead is 10 with 14.31 to go. And then with 13 minutes, it is a 13-point game, and you're thinking this thing is over. We're completely out of it. But we didn't quit. We absolutely didn't quit. We just kept fighting and fighting and fighting. We get it back down to eight at 11.25 to go. And then we pulled it within five. At the nine-minute mark, it is a 50-45 to game. And then we get a stop. Alan Flanagan misses a three. We get the ball there and um, actually pulled down a couple of offensive rebounds. We have three chances here at the basket, two of them three-point shots. We didn't, didn't complete any of them, as you know. They go up again, and next thing you know, we pull within five again. 
And then right at the seven-minute mark, they take it back out to 10, and it felt like that we were kind of running out of gas here. But DJ Jeffries makes a free throw. Next thing you know, it's a five-point game with five minutes to play. And it's like if we could just get a couple of stops here and convert on the other end, we have an opportunity to win this game. Two and a half minutes to go. Shaquille Moore steps in line to shoot two. Uh, We make the first one. It is a four-point game. And you start thinking, are we going to go out here and steal this thing? Well, Wendell Green Jr. says, uh, Bulldogs, no, you're not. He rams home a three to take it back out to seven. And from there, it pretty much stayed there. I guess it went out to 10 in the final minute. But at this point, there was not much, you know, not much trepidation or anxiety about who was going to win the ball game. We gave it a good run. We didn't win. And it's frustrating because we're one and four. And it's not that we're a bad team. We just don't have enough offensive pieces to make these games competitive. Tolu Smith, one of his better games uh, of the conference schedule. I mean, really a great game, a double-double for him. 20 points, 10 rebounds. And there was still some other opportunities. I mean, he turned the ball over a couple times, put the ball on the floor when he shouldn't have to. But 8 of 13 from the floor, 4 of 6 from the line. We actually shot free throws really, really well. 21 of 28, one of our better nights from the charity stripe all year. Deshaun Davis, 11 of 13. You know, need to get that guy to line more often, right? 11 of his 13 points come at the free throw line. And that's really why the game remained close is because State was able to knock down their free throws. D.J. Jeffries, even 4 of 5, a double-digit score for him. Bulldogs have three double-digit scores with Smith, Davis, and Jeffries. Cam Matthews, again, doing a lot of the stuff that doesn't show up in the box score, but also a nice contribution from him, 3 of 4 from the floor, 1 of 2 from the line, pulled down 5 rebounds, uh, 7 points for him. If we can get that stat line from him, it, we're going to be in most ball games. Eric Reed Jr., 19 minutes of action, uh, did not make a shot, did not score a point. That, that can't happen. We, we, Eric Reed's got to be able to make some plays for us. Shaquille Moore comes off the bench and actually plays more minutes than Reed, seven points, and he's not scared to shoot it. Uh, Ten attempts on the night and just three. But the Bulldogs, the difference in this ball game, we're 0 of 18 from three. They're 11 from 25. And it ends up being, you know, a six-point game. You make a couple of those baskets or you defend a couple, it's a different conversation today. Bulldogs pull down 38 rebounds, out-rebound the Tigers who had just 32. And again, State doing a great job getting to the line and then defending without fouling. Just 13 free throws on the night for Auburn. And a couple of those were a little bit, um, you know, questionable, shall we say. And there's probably some questionable calls the other way that maybe some fouls should have been called and weren't called. But uh, again, a good job for us to defend aggressively without getting into foul trouble. We actually fouled Jalen Williams out of the game for Auburn and then put Johnny Broom with four. And he had to sit some late in the ball game. When we start making our run, of course, they have to get him back up and have him play kind of within control. But I thought State did a good job. Johnny Broom just six points on the night. That's a good effort. Uh, Wendell Green with 17, Alan Flanagan for 10. And of course, that's the, uh, the son of former Bulldog assistant, Wes Flanagan. But in the first half of this ball game, Mississippi State shoots 37%, excuse me, excuse me, that's total, 39% in the first half and 35 in the second half. And again, zero for 18. Zero for six from three in the first half, zero from 12 in the second half. And it's like we got pretty deliberate, I guess, trying to score from outside uh, late in the ball game, which led to uh, some one and duns for us. But, uh, you know, Auburn – not a great team. They're a top 25 team. They're better than us, but they're not much better than us. And this could be a game, obviously, that if we had a chance to get the return trip, we won't see them again this year unless we see them in the tournament. 
But I feel like if we played them on a neutral floor, perhaps in our gym, you got a chance to get them. And so I think it's a good measuring stick. But the reality of it is we're 12-5 and five now and 1-4 and four in the league. And uh, things don't get any easier for your Bulldogs. Of course, we're back at Humphrey Coliseum uh, tomorrow night. It's a 6 p.m. tip. That'll be on ESPN, too, in case you can't make it to town against the University of Tennessee. Fans are encouraged to wear black. We're doing a blackout against Tennessee. The uh, jerseys will be reminiscent of the uh, – you know, the Mike Leach State sweatshirts. So if you have those, wear those. If you don't have them, you can buy them locally. Uh, sizes are somewhat limited. I went and bought three last week, uh, one for myself, two for my lovely bride, but um, a couple different styles. You can get the dry fits. You can get a mock neck. You can get a crew neck. You can get a, you can get a hoodie. You can get a T-shirt. There's a lot of different options for you. So I encourage you to maybe, you know, I'm not a big proponent of wearing like football apparel to basketball games or basketball apparel to football games. I'm, I'm just – maybe it's a little bit snobbish, but I don't like it. But I think the Mike Leach thing is perfectly permissible at any sporting event that involves Mississippi State. I think that is uh, something we would all agree about. So if you have those, wear those. But uh, it is a blackout Tuesday night against number nine, Tennessee. And you remember the last time we got together, they absolutely swarmed us in the first five minutes of that game, and there was no doubt who was going to win. We came back and tried to compete a little bit, but the game was already over. There was just you know too much of a running start for Tennessee. Uh, so that's the next one. And then uh, on Saturday, we're back at Humphrey Coliseum. Of course, I'll be in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That is a 7.30 central tip broadcast on the SEC Network. So two home games this week, and you gotta get, you got to get Florida. You have to – I mean, you'd love to be able to get Tennessee, but you got to get Florida. And, again, the league is better this year. I don't know that it's elite. I mean, you know, Kentucky beating Tennessee over the weekend kind of shows you there is a lot of parity in the league in many respects. But state Tennessee, Florida, and then we go to Alabama. It's like things just don't seem to let up to us until we get through the Big 12 challenge against TCU. And, thankfully, that will be a game at home. They're going to, going to uh, kind of commemorate the game of change while we're there. And then things kind of ease up a little bit. But, uh, you know, looking around the league this year, there's not any nights off. But it does seem that our SEC schedule is very front-loaded. So my hope is is that we will find some offensive cohesion and then the quality of competition, I think, will subside a little bit in the second half of the schedule. And we'll see how things kind of progress from there. But, uh, again, the men, you know, lose a ball game that we certainly could have won. We just couldn't make enough shots. And, and that sounds kind of an oversimplification of things, but that's what it boiled down to. You make a couple of baskets here and there to go along with the quality of defense you're playing, you win the game. And so I think that, again, not a moral victory guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I think you look at this, I think you can kind of build from there. All right, so yesterday the women went down. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. 
You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. And that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out, so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. 
So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Texas A&M. We have played some games down there that have been awfully memorable. You guys remember, you know, Victoria Vivian's down there making some, we started a comeback and Victoria kind of put us on our back and helped us win a Southeastern Conference championship. But uh, not a great A&M team this year. Of course, you know, Gary Blair's no longer there. It's a much different dynamic. But uh, the Lady Aggies now 5-11, and 0-6 overall, 0-6 in the league. After the first quarter of this game, there was not much question about who was going to win. It was going to be Mississippi State. 4,162 fans paid to see it, and they saw the uh, the Bulldogs kind of dominate the game throughout. I mean, once State got the big lead, they kind of coasted from there, but A&M could never really get any closer. 17-6 after the first quarter. A&M actually wins the second quarter 18-17, but of course when you're down 11 and you only go up one, it makes it a 10-point deficit to break. The third quarter is even, and then State wins the fourth period 16-10 which gives you a 60-44 to final. Alana Smith with 18 points from Mississippi State. Jessica Carter with 15. Starting to get a little more productivity out of her. And, of course, everybody is aware of her. You can't necessarily hide her on, out there on offense. People are going to find her. But uh, nice night for her. 15 points, 7 rebounds, 6 of 12 from the floor. Knocked down 3 or 4 free throws. And that's the thing. If people want to play that hack-a-shack defense, you got to make them pay for it. State also a good job of defending without fouling. Nobody with more than three fouls in a ball game. Jaquelia Jordan, 35 minutes of action, nine points, three rebounds, a couple of assists, did have some turnovers there. And, and Jessica Carter put the ball on the floor sometimes too. They got to clean that part of her game up. State with 17 turnovers in the game, and Jessica had six of them. Uh, Debrescia Poe, 30 minutes of action. It's good to see her in the starting lineup, right? Eight points for her. The future is bright for sure. And Anastasia Hayes, 31 minutes of action, just four points. And you begin to think about that. Anastasia Hayes with just four points, and State still wins by double digits. I mean, how many times are you going to see that happen? As Janae Johnson off the bench with 18 minutes and five points. Danae Carter, we had to depend on her a lot last year. But uh, 11 minutes, just to one point. But uh, it's always good to see ladies get out there and get some playing time. They all work exceptionally hard. State shoots it really well. 50% in the first quarter, 58.3% in the second. Third quarter, a little bit off, 363 and then 60% there in the fourth quarter. So State for the ball game, 51.1%. And especially on the ladies' side, if you're going to shoot 50%, uh, you're going to win a lot more games than you lose. We, we limited A&M to just 32.6% shooting. They were 4 of 15 from 3, State 5 of 12. You'd like to see that number a little bit better, too, and you would. Uh, and in State, free throw just 56.3% and A&M 58%. So it's kind of a kind of a trade-off there. But uh, State with 8 points in the paint, you'd like to see that number go up. Points off turn- Excuse me, that was uh, A&M's number. 22 points in the paint for State, 17 off turnovers, second chance point, 8, 5 on the fast break, 7, and six off the bench. The lead changed just one time, and that was in the very early going. And then again, one state kind of put them in the rearview mirror early. It was just a matter of managing the game and getting out of College Station with a win. So congratulations to the Bulldogs, who are now 13-5 and overall and 2-3 and in the Southeastern Conference. Let's kind of look ahead here for the ladies. 
you're going to get a chance to see him a lot here in, in the uh, in the coming weeks, as you guys are well aware. We will have Auburn this Thursday. Now, you wear your black shirt Tuesday. You wear your white shirt Thursday. And students, I'm so glad you're back. You guys are the lifeblood of Humphrey Coliseum. There's so many times in ball games when we need the crowd to get loud. And sometimes some of our fans, and I'm, I'm not being critical. I'm just kind of making an observation here. Some of our fans get caught watching the game rather than participating. It's like they're there to be entertained, and you guys, you students, get us all engaged. And so, students, we need you to kind of carry the banner this week. Don't let everybody else just kind of sit back and watch. You get people on their feet. They'll they'll respond, but they're depending on you. It's true. It's true. So State will face Auburn on Thursday. Of course, that's the return of Johnny Harris. We wish Johnny the best, but not at our expense, right? I mean, that, you know, we wanted to do well, but not better than us. We're honest about that. You know, it's nothing personal. You know, our, our loyalty is to Mississippi State. Auburn, uh, you know, again, a really difficult time last year in year one under Johnny Harris, and that's not an indictment on her. I mean, it's just kind of the reality of life. You've got to change the culture and implement your own system. Um, you know, this year's been a little different, I guess. They have been more competitive, but um, maybe not in league play. 10-7 and seven overall, and they're 0-5 in the conference. They have lost all five games in consecutive order. Just looking here recently, since they get into conference play, they lose by 32 to Ole Miss in Oxford. They host Missouri and lose by just six, 62-56. They get blasted by number one South Carolina, and that, listen, that a lot of people, that's going to happen to a lot of people. That, that, that doesn't really say much about Auburn. 94-42. to Alabama gets them 88-57. And then at LSU, they lose 84-54. So lose about 30. So the only conference game they've had that's been competitive was a home date uh, against the Missouri Tigers. They're 9-3 at home, 0-3 away from Auburn, and one, excuse me, 0-3 on a true road environment, and then 1-1 neutral. So 1-4 away from their home arena. So it should set up pretty well for Mississippi State, but we need to win that game. And again, it's nothing personal. We just need to go win the game. And then on Sunday, you get a chance to see the ladies against the University of Kentucky. We have had some years where those late games with Kentucky have kind of determined the quality of our season, determined our seeding. And there are times we've had to go play them for a chance to, uh, to win an SEC championship. They were in our way. We had some very difficult games up there. Uh, for sure. Then next week, we're on the road both games. If you're in the Mississippi area or in the Memphis area, on next Thursday, January 26th, you can go watch the ladies play against Ole Miss. And then we got to get a split there. We got to find a way. This is a quality Ole Miss team. We missed some opportunities against them for sure out here. So again, a very important stretch of games. And and, and I I submit to you that uh, you know the women have a chance to go on a run here over the course of the next few weeks and really improve their standing within the league and perhaps on the bubble uh, with the NCAA tournament. I still think these women can be an NCAA tournament team. I, I think, you know, Sam loses that Ole Miss game early and a lot of people were like, oh, I can't believe this. Guys, you know, we've, we split with them the last couple of years and we're fortunate to do so because I think in many respects they were a better program than us, uh, a better team than us certainly last year and we're able to get that big win in Humphrey Coliseum. So uh, excited about what is to come. And it feels like in many respects that maybe we're just kind of treading water right now. You know what I mean? It's like we're just, okay, we got new coaches in. We're laying the foundation. 
And we want to win some games, but if we don't, we're not going to be terribly upset about it. I always hate to lose, but I know that losing is part of growing with new coaches is you have to kind of find your players and find who you can trust and kind of put some things together. So, again, it's just to be patient with these coaches and let them kind of work through it. And I still think these ladies are going to put together a really good season. I really do. Not so optimistic about the men just because of the quality of the league this year and our offensive woes. But I think on the women's side of things that uh, we are going to be a very good team, and I think we're going to chase an NCAA tournament bid. Certainly not going to host this year, but if we can just make the tournament this year, I think that is a very solid first step for Sam Purcell. And not to put that kind of pressure where it's tournament or bust, but I think this team is certainly capable of doing that. I know many of you kind of agreed. Robbie Falk and I have talked about this in recent weeks too. Robbie says the pieces are there. The pieces are there. It's just a matter of us just kind of finding the cohesion. And we will. I think Sam Purcell is a good coach. And there's a learning curve with that, too. I mean, you know, he's the head guy now. You know, he wasn't the head guy at Louisville. He was kind of the big game recruiter. He's recruited at a high level. But, uh, you know, he's learning, too. We're all learning as we kind of move forward. And you know, you're like me. You want State to be competitive and put a winning program together on all courts and fields of play. And I don't think that, the, you know, the glory days of Mississippi State women's basketball <clears throat> may be behind us. It doesn't mean that we don't have some great days ahead. I know many of you look forward to to those days when you expect us to go out and have a chance to win every game. It was it was a very fun time for us, right? I mean, everybody tuned in to watch. People that had never watched a women's basketball game before suddenly are buying T-shirts and uh, going to tournament games and buying season tickets. I mean, it was a very, very fun time. I don't think those days are too far off. Will we get back to competing for the NAFL championship? I think in time, but I don't know if we'll ever see anything like we saw with that f- wonderful team we had, you know, superstars. Everybody knew their name. I mean, will we have another Tierra McCowan? I don't know. We have another Victoria Vivians? I don't know. We appreciate it for what it was, but really they kind of, you know, the foundation was laid by people like Tan White and Latoya Thomas, and they built upon that. And so now it's kind of changed the expectations of what we can be in women's basketball. I know many of you are eager to get back to that when, you know, you could say kind of poke your chest out a little bit, you know. And what's so funny, too, there are a lot of people, too, that never really cared for women's sports for one reason or another. But I think it really reignited that in our fan base. It's like, hey, this is really fun. This is our university being represented at a high level. And you know, many of those players are you know, from the South, of course, many of them from the state of Mississippi. And then the next thing you know, you know we start building our recruiting footprint. We go out to Texas and get to Aaron McCowan. Yeah, I think everybody started realizing, you know what, Vic Schaefer's building something special here. But I think he also paved the way for people like Sam Purcell to say, you know what? Hey, those people at Mississippi State will support women's basketball. Vic Schaefer won there and probably should have won an AFL championship. If he can do it, so can I. The infrastructure is here to get it done. And so I think he believes, I know you all believe, and you're all very hopeful uh, about the future. So, again, I think we've got the right gentleman coaching both of these programs and then next year expectations will be a little bit higher but this year is a building block year on both sides of the basketball ledger all right time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by closewithblair.com blair chandler is my friend your friend and he is your friend in the mortgage industry right there are a lot of processes out there in life that are kind of complicated Getting a mortgage is often one of them. I mean, you know, you got to get a note from your mom, like a uh, lock of your first, have your hair from your first haircut, a pint of blood. You know, I mean, it's just, there's so much that goes into it. And it seems like there's no shortage of things that underwriters are going to ask for that don't seem to make any sense. Like they want to make you jump through all these hoops. Well, get somebody that can kind of prevent that for you. Get somebody that's going to do it right for you on the front end. 
so the underwriting process doesn't have to be quite as stressful, right? A guy that's got 21 years of experience in the industry, back-to-back years in a top 1% close ratio in the country. Blair Works or Fairway Mortgage, a very reputable mortgage originator. A lot of people out there that want your business, maybe they're in a subprime market or maybe they work for a, you know, a, you know, some third-party vendor. Blair gets things done and gets things done in a quality way because he works for a quality organization. Let me give you his phone number. It's 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Call or text him today. You don't have to go through a receptionist. You don't have to go through a call center. You get the man directly. And if you mention to him you heard about him on the boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. How cool is that? How cool is that? It's about a $500 value. A lot of people want your business. Blair's proven it each and every day. He's a bulldog through and through. Season ticket holder in multiple sports. Has a place here in Starkville. He's always around. Guy loves Mississippi State. That's closewithblair.com. C-L-O-S-E with Blair. B-L-A-I-R.com. All right. Had a discussion with somebody, one of you fine folks, Boneyard listeners on the uh, social media. Said, hey, Steve, years ago, I didn't know much about the band Shinedown, and I have had the uh, Shinedown avatar as my profile picture on Gene's page now, I don't know, maybe 10 years, maybe. And I don't know if you know this, but the A&R man for Shinedown is also named Steve Robertson, which has made for some interesting conversation over the years. I have gone to shows, introduced myself as Steve Robertson, and people mistake me for him. I have had people that have contacted me on social media because of the fact of my, I don't know, my connection to Shinedown as a fan, and that's the only connection, but because Steve Robertson is mentioned in the liner notes of their albums, I've had people contact me wanting to send me their demo. said, hey, I know you did a lot for Shinedown. Can you help me too? I didn't do anything for Shinedown other than listen to the music and share with other people. All that said... We're doing a Shine Down Deep Tracks list today. This gentleman reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I've listened to the music. What are some of your favorite deeper cuts that maybe weren't singles? Well, dear sir, you've come to the right place. Because I don't know if there's anybody maybe short of the super fans, which I am one of, uh, or members of the band that could put this list together. I got deep tracks from every album. But it skews more towards the earlier album. I'll tell you, Shinedown rocked, man. Shinedown still does, but they've gotten a little more progressive, I guess, in recent albums. I do think Attention, Attention is probably the best album since uh, Sound of Madness. But those first three Shinedown albums, it was hit after hit after hit after hit. And Shinedown has become a headliner. You may not know that Shinedown years ago played the State Palace Theater. They were an up-and-coming band out of Jacksonville, Florida. And now they're headlining arenas. Last Their last run on the Planet Zero Tour, they went through Biloxi, sold it out. Sold out the Gulf Coast Coliseum. That's not an easy undertaking these days in the rock world. So Shinedown is a headliner. And I was with them from the very beginning. I wasn't the Steve Robertson in the liner notes, though I am in some liner notes on some albums, but not in Shinedowns. So no need to message me about that. It's a different guy. He's not as cool as me, may have a cooler job, but he's not as cool as me. I, I have one honorable mention today, and I give Ani credit for mentioning this. I almost excluded the song, even though it is one of my favorite Shinedown songs, and it's not available on an album anywhere. Now, you can download it as part of the Sound of Madness, like uh, expanded edition. 
If you played Rock Band, you could download this song, and, and I always do play the bass line on this because I love it. I asked Zach Myers one time, why didn't that song make the album? It's one of the better songs in that writing cycle, and they just didn't feel like it meshed with the rest of the album. It's the great song, Junkies for Fame. I absolutely love the song. I jammed it a couple days last week. So Junkies for Fame is your long honorable mention today. I, and Ani gave me you know, a dozen songs. You know, He mentioned Black Cadillac, and it all adds up. And I, I, if I ever do like a soundtrack for Flim Flam, it all adds up will be on there because I listened to that song a lot. <clears throat> like when I was sitting down thinking about writing, I was thinking about all these people that uh, you know called me a liar and said that uh, I was making all this stuff up and questioned my integrity, and, and it all adds up. And after a while, it's like it motivates you. You know, the negativity, all it did was just kind of tell me that I was right about things. But Junkies for Fame is your only official, and that's going to be on your playlist today, too. You'll have these 10 songs plus Junkies for Fame, because if you don't know Junkies for Fame, I want you to know that one. I want you to know it. Very catchy, upbeat song. The bass line's a great groove. All right, number 10 from the album Sound of Madness. This is a song, too, that a lot of fans were hoping they would release as a single. They didn't. And the thing that I'll tell you, if you're, if you're new to Shinedown, like if I was going to sell you on the band of Shinedown, I would say, listen to the Sound of Madness album. There's going to be some hits on there you know, and there's going to be some hits you don't know that I think will pull you in. I started, of course, with the Leave a Whisper album. I think I was probably one of the first 100 Shinedown fans in, in Mississippi. Uh, but um, I guess I was living in Baton Rouge back then. But you understand my point. I was on that bandwagon really, really early. But I would start there and then maybe work back to Leave a Whisper and then to Us and Them. And I love that Us and Them album. I know some guys in the band that don't think it's their best offering. I think there are some really strong songs on there. We're going to talk about that. But number 10, it's Breaking Inside. I feel like I'm breaking inside. And there's a part, too, it talks about there's so many songs of empowerment. And this is one of those songs, too, where it's like you, you, you've dealt with some adversity and you're like, I feel like I'm falling apart, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. I feel like I'm breaking inside, but I'm gonna find a way to hold it together. It's a great track. Number nine. This is one. That not a lot of people talk about this. When I submit to you, this is an absolute banger. And looking at this, I don't think we have a ballad on here. Even though Shinedown's kind of known for their ballads, we, we went for the deep cut banger list here today. But it's a great song off us and them called "Trade Yourself In." Trade yourself in. You know, it's basically about kind of reinventing yourself. You know, you, you maybe, maybe you've ruined the name you got or the reputation you have. But let's trade ourselves in, you know, for a better version, which is, is it a great song called Better Version 2. Number eight, Off the Planet Zero album. This is one of the, <clears throat> this is one of the more important songs on this album and nobody talks about it. It's a song called America Burning. Much of Planet Zero was kind of written during the quarantine and inspired by events during the quarantine. It's not political, but it is kind of uh, a commentary on society on how things kind of happened during the quarantine. So the album has some darker moments, and this is one of them, America Burning. Be sure and check that one out. Number seven, one of my favorite songs off the Attention, Attention album is the title track, Attention, Attention. Now, this is a concept album. I'm a big fan of those, and I like to listen to them in their entirety, right? Like, I like when I get on the road, I'm going to start track one and go all the way through. Attention, Attention, as an album, is basically a story. And again, it's like the main character 
is like reach the end of their rope. Reach the end of their rope and like it's over. I'm ready for life to be over. I've given up on life. And then over the course of the album, you see the challenges and you see the victories and you see that this person finds themselves and finds their voice again. And by the end of it, all of a sudden they're renewed. You know, and it's like the, the, the opening track on that after when the guy comes in and sits down is devil. And the devil's right behind you. The devil's in the next room. But the title track, Attention, Attention, is one that I think is uh, probably probably should have been a single. I don't know that it works well on the radio. But uh, if you like you 2 when you hear that opening bass line, it is going to be somewhat reminiscent of Bullet the Blue Sky from U2. The very first time I heard it, I was like, this is the same bass line. Very, very similar. But Attention, Attention, phenomenal. My favorite song on that album is probably Monsters. But this attention, attention is one you may, but you don't know you should. Number six, this was on my run playlist, my workout playlist, my recreational playlist, uh, my feel sorry for myself playlist, my feel great about myself playlist. This is one of those songs that always makes me want to grit my teeth and really get down to it. Like if I'm working through something, this is one of those songs. It's, it's left out from the Leave a Whisper album. And it starts out with, where's that space of fear you hide? And there's the best part of this song, if I could sing it, if I had a better singing voice, I wouldn't be your good friend and host, right? But it talks about getting even and for all the right reasons. You know, and it's like I listen to that sometimes and I think about some of the things you encounter in life. And, and there are a lot of times, too, that I've had, uh, you know, people come at me for no, uh, no good reason at all. And there are some people that I owe amends to that, you know, maybe their resentment of me is, uh, is warranted. I don't live with bitterness or resentment in my heart, but I can tell you, I, I, the, probably the greatest compliment that anybody ever gave me years ago, they didn't know that I would find out about this, but a friend of mine shared this with an acquaintance and it got back to me. He said, Steve Robertson's the best friend you'll ever have, but if you ever cross him, he's the worst enemy you'll ever meet. And that's kind of how I feel about things. If people come after me, I'll let it go for a while, but once, uh, once I decide to react, it's like you, like you may shoot me with a tiddlywink and I'll drop a nuclear bomb. But left out is a part of that, too. Getting even for all the right reasons. That should probably be a tattoo somewhere. Put it on my tombstone. All right, number five, from the Threat to Survival album, which in many respects I think is undervalued. I will say this about the Threat to Survival album. It is a little bit disjointed. Like when I got the first few albums, I think flowed really well. Amaryllis, I think, is great. Uh, Amaryllis, the, the catalog kind of expanded a little bit, but Threaded Survival, I think is a little bit disjointed. I don't know if it's a production value or song choice, whatever, but the song Dangerous, I've shared this with people before, like when people were, are dealing with something, I have shared this song with them because there'll be times I've been on the highway and maybe I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm having a tough day. And, and I think about the things that I've gone through in life. And, and, and a lot of that too, isn't just about sobriety. I mean, Living life on life's terms is difficult at times. I mean, for all of us, it is. And, you know, maybe I have led a harder life than most. And it's like sometimes when I sit down and share my story, people are like, I can't believe that. It's the only life I've known, right? So I have nothing to compare it to. But the song Dangerous is one that always gets me turned around. No matter how, like if I'm in a bad mood or whatever, this is one of those songs. Sometimes I'll just put it on repeat. And sometimes it brings tears to my eyes. Because I'd rather be dangerous than anything else, right? I mean, it's like I think about all the things that I've known for. And that's the thing. 
It's the one thing. You know, it's like one of the things my dad asked me years ago. And I've never forgotten this. And I don't know where he got it from. I don't think it was a Freddie Robertson original. He said, would you rather be, rather be feared or respected? I said, well, I want to be respected. He goes, well, that's the difference between me and you. I'd rather be feared because fear commands a respect on its own. And there's some truth in that. All right, number four, and this is also from The Sound of Madness. And this, the, lyrically, this is one of the most phenomenal songs on the album. And there's one in there about the, the girl snorting in coke through a suicide note. I mean, what, what you know, that might be a, a, you know, a very troubling image, but how profound is the writing and all that? I mean, and how intent on self-destruction the protagonist of the story is. It's crazy. But it's a great song called Cyanide Sweet Tooth Suicide. The, in the opening guitar riff on that is an absolute roller coaster. If you don't know it, you should. Number three. Great, great track from the uh, Amaryllis album. And I have an Amaryllis tattoo, in case you're wondering. I got it out in Hollywood, matter of fact. It's a great song called My Name, You're Wearing Me Out. And it's basically like, you know what? I've been the victim of all this backbiting and uh, slander and defamation. It's like all this stuff is going on, and that's what the song is about. You know, it's, and then it talks about my name is Revenge, my name is this, my name is that. And... Um, one party says, uh, my name is Revenge and I'm here to stake my claim. But lyrically, I think it's a phenomenal song. And again, it wasn't, none of these songs were singles. That's what's so amazing about this is every one of these songs, I think, could have been a hit single. And they weren't released as a single. And I mean, how many singles can you release off an album, right? I think Sound of Madness had five. Uh, Amaryllis, I think, had three. But the, uh, the number one and number two, these, uh, these are from the first two albums. And Jason Todd was a guitar player then, and Brad was a bass player. And, and to be honest with you, as much as I love the new lineup, I think the earlier stuff had a rougher edge because of Jason Todd. Now, Jason's a guy that's had some real challenges in life. He is a very talented musician. At one time, he was married to Melody Van Zant, the daughter of uh, Johnny Van Zant from Leonard Skinner. That's how Sean Dan was able to record Simple Man, right? You didn't know the connection? Well, now you know. Because the Leonard Skinner family does not just let anybody cover their music. And Shinedown had their first record coming up, and so they, the family agreed to let Jason and the guys record it. So that's how that happened. And, and uh, Shinedown's version of Simple Man is amazing. There are some parts, I think Brent kind of oversings it, but uh, the sentiment in the song is amazing. I think Johnny would be proud. But we're going back to those first couple of albums. Number two, off the great album, Us and Them. It's a song called Begin Again. It's just basically talking about I would do anything to kind of start my life over. I would do anything. I've been through all this pain. I've been through all this turmoil. But it's this basically a song of aggression. It's a song of fist in your face. It's a song of knife in your back. It's like, you know what? You give me a second chance at this, I'm going to get it right. Number one, though, why this wasn't released as a single, I really believe like if this had been the debut single for Shinedown, I think the course of their catalog would have changed tremendously. Not to say they're not true to their own artistic vision, but I think if this song had been on the radio, you know, 45 was out there and everywhere and everybody loved it and there was all this controversy. People thought it was a song about suicide. It's not. It's kind of metaphorically like looking down the barrel of a gun and not one that you're holding, right? It's like you're kind of up against it. So a lot of people got to know Shinedown from the great song 45. Probably my favorite song on that album is Burning Bright. It was released later as a single. But um, 
Number one for me, of all the deep cuts on all the Shinedown albums, goes all the way back to Leave a Whisper album, and it's Stranger Inside. This is one of those hard rocking bass in your face. It's a rock and roll song all the way, man. It is absolutely stellar. And again, I think it should have been a single. I think all of these should have been and could have been singles and done exceptionally well. But you know, you can't release them all. And that's why we can talk about them. I know many of you are kind of on the fence, kind of peripheral Shinedown fans. And of course, they've mellowed a little bit in recent years. It's amazing how that happens. Like in the beginning, everybody's hungry and dying to make it and Maybe they're dealing with addiction or whatever, and all of a sudden they start making some money and going to therapy, and then you know, we're singing about puppies and things like that. But this goes back to the beginning. You know, the dark, living on uh, a prayer type stuff. You know, it's like I want so bad to make it, and this is me bearing my soul out here and my pain. And there's a lot of that in the early albums of Shine Down, And, of course, again, they kind of heal a little bit. Now it's, it's a lot more about empowerment. But uh, it's interesting to listen to these catalogs from start to finish. And sometimes when I take long road trips, it's what I do. I'll just pick a bat, I'll pick an artist like Tesla, and I'll start with Mechanical Resonance, and I'll listen to every album all the way through. And then I go on Facebook, and I rank the albums and have discussions with my friends about it. I'll do the same thing with Motley or whatever. But I would encourage you, maybe next time you take a road trip in between podcasts, maybe put on this Shinedown catalog from, catalog from start to finish. And this begin with leave a whisper and go all the way through planet zero and you'll see the maturation of the band but i think you'll also see the themes a lot of the songs change and they get a lot more hopeful and again shine down one of the biggest headliners in rock music today i don't know if you know this they've had 18 number one hits which is the most of any rock band in the history of the united states and number two on that list is three days grace maybe you didn't know that but it's true Shinedown, more number one hits. And uh, the previous record holder before Shinedown and Three Days Grace surpassed him was Van Halen. So some pretty elite company there for Shinedown. The, the greatest number one act, most number ones in American rock history. And so these are some songs that were not on that list, but I think if you just know the hits, I think you listen to these, they're going to pull you in. You're going to feel that you're glad that you're a part of the Shinedown family. And I, I, I lose count sometimes. I guess I got... Maybe three Shinedown tattoos. I don't know that I'll get another one, but, um, you know, things change. But uh, at some point, I'll run out of room. I'll get covered up at some point. But uh, I do have a couple of Shinedown tattoos and very happy to wear them. I guess I've got three, actually. Yeah, three. But uh, that's your top 10 list for today. Thanks so much for your support of top 10 lists. You have ideas. Reach out to Roy Samanti on Twitter at dogmatic67. Uh, you could probably find him on Facebook, too. But if you're looking for our great list, find him on Spotify, also at dogmatic67. It's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. All right, time for the next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. This segment is fabulous. We're going to talk about some things that are about to happen. I'll tell you what else is fabulous is Campus Bookmart. I was there last week. As I mentioned, I picked up some Mike Leach uh, merch. Got some uh, got some cool things, right? Got the hoodie. Got the uh, crew neck. Got a sweatshirt. Got a lot of different stuff. Got a dry fit. Bought some pajamas. Not for me. I'm not a pajama wearer. My wife is. She likes to lounge around and stuff. So you, know, you can outfit... The Bulldog fans in your life, just by going to campusbookmart.net, I encourage you when you're in town to go by and, and peruse their fine selections in person. However, if you can't, if you live perhaps in a foreign state, 
outside of God's country. Campusbookmart.net's the way to go. You'll be glad you did. And when I met, I was in there the other day, it's like, it's incredible how many online orders they have. I mean, like, right next to the register, it's like a, it's a line of your orders. They've become pros of this stuff. Campusbookmart.net is, without a doubt, the best place to find online merchandise. And you're also supporting a Starkville business, which is, is amazing. I always encourage you to do that. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Roberts, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Excuse me, at 75 bucks. I, I messed that up. It's been imprinted in my brain, and I'm like reading the text and talking to you at the same time. So let me, let me focus on this. Promo code BSR gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Over 75. You'd be glad you used that. We're saving you some money just by supporting our show. And we thank the folks at Campus Bookmark for all they've done. And when I get ready to buy Mississippi State merch, that's my first stop. It's Campus Bookmark. All right, let's talk a little bit about staffing changes. You guys know there's still a couple spots left to fill. I don't think we're too far off here, okay? What I say by that is I think Tony Hughes will coach at tight ends. That hasn't been officially announced yet. But I suspect that's going to be the case. I think you've got to have Tony, the lord of the living room, to borrow a phrase from Jerry Maguire. I think you're going to be happy with Tony on the road. And there's people, oh, Tony's going to take a spot off the field. I don't know why Tony would would do that. He's got his years in. He could retire if he wanted to. But we need Tony Hughes on the field. And uh, currently listed as your Nickelbacks coach. Again, I, I expect that to change. Now, Tony coached tight ends at Ole Miss. And at Mississippi State, it is not a personnel group that he is unfamiliar with. But the reality of it is, is we need Tony Hughes recruiting the great state of Mississippi because everybody knows Tony Hughes. I don't know if there's been a better recruiter in my career than Tony Hughes. And that dates back maybe maybe Melvin Smith in his heyday. But Tony is outstanding because everybody knows Tony and Tony knows who to trust. And people know they can trust Tony. And so if Tony's moving over, and of course Zach coaches safeties last year, Who's going to coach the safeties this year? Well, the name that I continue to hear is Brett Dewhurst. Brett Dewhurst. And you can say, okay, well, Steve, who is Brett Dewhurst? Now, he has worked as a senior defensive analyst for some time. Now, prior to that, you know, he was at Texas State. This is a guy that he, he's not a newbie in that respect, right? Uh, what, three seasons there? He coached um, at Texas State. Originally a uh, exercise sports science major at Texas Tech in 2011. A native of Klein, Texas. Began his coaching career at Texas Tech from 08 to 011 as a student assistant. Pretty great era right there. Then he was a graduate assistant at Midwestern State in 2012. They won the Lone Star Conference Championship that year and made the Division II playoff with a 9-2 record. Then he went to work at the University of Houston. Houston had great defenses while he was there. One of the most improved defenses in the country in 2013. Went to three bowl games, 13, 14, and 15 with the Cougs. Then he spent time at Southeastern Louisiana as a quality control analyst under former, uh, excuse me, uh, was it was, I don't know who coached Southeastern when he was there, but he was Southeastern, he went to back to Tech. But, uh, 
one season DB coach at Southeastern after being an analyst there. And uh, you know, this is a guy, too, again, goes to Texas Tech as a safeties coach in 2018 and then spent three seasons there, then joined the staff at Mississippi State. So this is not a situation where this is like a GA kind of earning their first opportunity. This is a guy that has been on the field, understands defensive game planning, understands coaching ball skills and things of that nature. This is a guy, too, that uh, Zach Arnett apparently has a lot of trust in. There are a lot of people that tell me that Brett is a guy that's going to do some great things here at Mississippi State and that he has earned this opportunity. And so when you begin to kind of break things down, that would fill up your defensive coaching uh, you know, staff there. David Turner coaching the defensive line, which is a great thing for Mississippi State, not just as a recruiter, but as a technician. This is a guy that's a great teacher of the game, produced a lot of NFL players when he was here be his third stop at Mississippi State, as he calls it, home. Matt Brock will continue to coach your linebackers and then be your defensive coordinator. And as you guys know, he called the plays during the uh, the bowl game. And I thought we timed up our blitzes. We were very creative with that. Seven sacks during the ball game. Darcel McBath, a leech guy through and through, will remain here and coach a corner. It's another guy, too, that has the respect of Zach Arnett. And how can you look at what Darcel McBath has done from a production standpoint and look at the quality of the play that his corners have produced and see that he's not a great coach? He absolutely is. And then you'd have Dewhurst on the back end coaching the safeties. Offensive side of the football, you know, Wolf Friend's going to coach the offensive line. Chad Bumpus will coach all receivers. There will, there will not be an inside receivers coach and an outside receivers coach. Chad's going to coach it all. I think he is absolutely prepared for this position, did a great job at Utah. They can feel great about that. You know, we're expected to have a tight ends coach. We've mentioned Tony Hughes, and then there's a running backs coach. Now, I continue to hear there is a good chance Jason Washington is retained. That's not been made official. I checked on it again Friday. It's not official just yet. Zach still hadn't made the decision. But uh, it appears to be trending that way. I think it's about letting Barbe kind of get to know Jason a little bit. Jason's a guy that can sell himself to, and, and again, a good recruiter. More so on the portal side. Uh, than in the high school ranks, even though he did get Seth Davis. I think that Jason's a guy that that can sell himself and sell Mississippi State, and he's recently engaged to a a Starkville resident. I know that he wants to stay. I had a a former Mississippi State assistant coach about 10 days ago tell me, I think Jay Wash is going to survive this. He may be the only one that does, but I think he's the only guy that on offense that will be retained. And it's interesting, too, you know, because he started out on the defensive side of the football with Zach Arnett, moved over to offense, and coach the running backs. That was the big discussion last year. We tried to get Bumpus back, and they offered him the running backs position coach. And, you know, Chad, to his credit, says, you know, hey, I'm already a power five wide receiver coach. I've never played running back. Why would I go coach running backs? You know, and, uh, you know, the reality of it is is that, uh, you know, Chad played his cards right. And I think that's better for his career and for Mississippi State. You know, because what if he'd come last year as a running backs coach? I mean, he could, could be out this year, Right. That's not what we would have wanted. But Jay Wash did a good job, I think, maximizing production from these backs. I think DJ and Woody Marks both benefited from him. He was a running back himself in uh, in his career. So he understands the position. He has some credibility in the room. But he is a guy, too, that I think has some attention to detail. And I think that personnel group probably benefits from Jay Wash's personality. I think that he is a guy that knows how to manage those guys. Now, we've had some attrition in the room. You've had some walk-on guys that have entered the portal and look and searched for um, 
scholarship opportunities elsewhere. You know, you spend four years in the program and you've got a COVID year available to you. It's like, you know what, I'll even go play at a lower level. It's maybe the last time that I ever play football in my life. I want to get on the field. So that's not an indictment on Jason Washington. Clearly, you'd like to have Dylan Johnson back. But you look at what Simeon Price has done down the stretch now that he's healthy. I think you feel like, you know what, hey, we can manage this thing pretty well. And you've got Jeffrey Pittman coming in next year along with Seth Davis. I don't know how much Seth plays. I mean, Seth's got to gain some weight. He does. Got to get a little bit bigger. But I think that room is in good shape. But I think Jason is probably, at this point, you know, the best guy to manage that. And, of course, we don't know the other candidates out there. We don't know who Barbe knows or who he may want to bring in. But uh, I think Jason's a guy that, you know, has spent some time kind of getting to know the process of selling Mississippi State. And, you know, how much he recruits in Mississippi kind of remains to be seen. But I think if you keep him, I think that that, that gives, uh, gives you a lot of flexibility in many respects. I think you begin to feel good about all this stuff. I think you begin to, to think, hey, this is a staff that can coach and recruit. This is a staff that you can really get behind. I've been impressed. I think you all have been as well. And I think, again, it just reinforces the fact that Bracky Brett and Dr. Keenan made the right decision by handing the reins of this football program over to Zach Arnett. He, every hire that he's made to this point, I think, has been all aces. I would love for him to keep Mason Miller, but if you're not going to keep Mason, I think you feel great about the addition of Wolf Friend. That's a guy that we've wanted to hire countless times. He's a guy that's a Mississippi native. His mom lives in Starkville. He played there in Philadelphia in the Showba Central. And so I think when you run through all this stuff, you begin to think, hey, you bring, you bring Brad Peterson back. You bring Wolf Friend in. You bring in Bumpus. You keep Tony Hughes on the field. You bring back David Turner. Then you go out and get Kevin Barbet, who had uh, an explosive offense last year in year one at Appalachian State. And so I don't think there's going to be this steep learning curve. And you bring back a lot of veterans on offense. You're going to have a veteran offensive line, just minus LaQuinson Sharp. You're going to have a wide receiver core that has lost a couple playmakers, and hopefully you can hang on to, uh, to Tulu, which kind of brings us to our next point, you know, I hear it's still a back-and-forth deal. Now, some people, some astute Bulldog fans have pointed out that he has deleted some tweets, you know, about transferring and about uh, offers that he's got and things of that nature. I think that is probably a positive sign, but it's not over. He is still in the transfer portal, confirmed that this morning, still in the portal. He has not withdrawn. Now, the 18th is the final day to enter the portal. If you're not in the portal by the 18th, then you can't transfer in the spring semester, unless you're a grad transfer. If, you are a, if you're using the one-time transfer exception, you have to be in the portal by the 18th. And so if Tulu pulls out between now and the 18th, there's no chance of him leaving, of course, until you get post-spring, when the transfer portal window opens up again after the spring semester. So what you're hoping now is that, you know, hey, things appear to be trending in the right direction. It's not over by any stretch because tomorrow may be a different day. But today, there is some confidence that he is going to stay at Mississippi State. We'll see how things progress. But Tulu Griffin makes Mississippi State a better football team. I mean, how, I mean, how, how, many, how many yards of field position did he give Mississippi State this year? This guy is an elite kick returner. He's not an All-American just for, you know, because of his name. The guy is an outstanding football player, and we need to keep him. We need to keep him. Whatever we need to do. No, he's not your quarterback. But Tulu Griffin helps Mississippi State win games, period. Tulu Griffin knows what's expected at Mississippi State. 
It's not just his talent, it's his experience. It's the fact that he makes us a better football team. So again, we'll work through this process. You know, coaches are working. They've let him know that he is a priority to them. They, they want him to be involved. Will Rogers, I understand, is kind of working behind the scenes to let Tulu know, hey, we need you here, big guy. Let's go out here and do some big things together next year. And that's the thing that I know all of you look at that schedule next year and it's like, hey, it's all set up well for us to have the big up year, right? To have a chance to maybe, you know, go to a New Year's Six bowl game. That opportunity is there and awaiting for us if we don't get in our own way, right? And that's happened sometimes. I mean, how many times have we had our foot on Ole Miss's throat and let him get up? You know, Dan Mullen was a guy that sometimes, you know, took his eye off the prize a little bit. It's like, okay, well, I've won the state, but yet we couldn't capitalize on that, right? We, we, okay, we're winning some in-state recruiting battles. We're winning the Egg Bowl, but we could never get the next step. And then all of a sudden – we start focusing on the wrong things and we let Ole Miss get up and kind of punch us in the mouth. Well, this is kind of one of those moments, right? It's like last year it was billed to be the kind of the change, you know, the guard that, you know, Lane Kiffin was taking over and, you know, they were a top 10 team and they were going to be in the playoffs and, and then they ended up out of the top 25, losing with five of the last six, much as we all expected. And so next year I think you've got a chance to kind of distance yourself from Ole Miss a little bit. Ole Miss will be a good team next year. I don't think they'll be. I don't think they'll be as good as they've been this year. I think they're probably looking at seven, five, eight, and four because they pick up Georgia next year. Now Georgia's not going to be the same team they were, but Georgia's still got a ton of talent. And you know, pound for pound, there's probably not a better roster in the country than the University of Georgia. Glad we don't play them. I think we played them what three out of the last five years. Time we get a break from those guys. But you know, we've got a chance to have a very good season, and of course, set ourselves up for recruiting well the next couple of years. And so. I think settling these coaching positions, but also, too, you know, implementing this offense, you know, in the spring and kind of giving us a running start into uh, the fall, there's always a learning curve with a new offense. It's true. Always, always, always. But I feel a whole lot better about that knowing that I have a veteran offense that can kind of make those adjustments on the fly. Their heads aren't going to be spinning quite as much as these newcomers would be. And then you've got other guys coming in that, hey, this is, will be all they know. And so I think it'll be an interesting marriage this fall. But I think the fact that you've got so many guys with so many SEC snaps under their belt, I think the learning curve is probably not as steep as it would be otherwise. It's not like you've got a rebuild and you expect to be really salty on defense, especially if we can shore up the back end. I mean, we're losing a lot of bodies back there. However, we've hit the portal hard. We've got some guys with some Power 5 experience we're bringing in. I think we can feel pretty good about the direction of things. But I think settling these uh, coaching hires. And again, Matt Dewhurst, I, I don't expect there to be a press conference. I guess there could be. It'll probably be a release from the university announcing all these position changes. And again, when I think it's all said and done, Dewhurst will coach the safeties. Tony Hughes will coach the tight ends. And probably Jason Washington coaching the running backs. I hope that's the case. I, I think that's probably – a good thing. But again, I don't know who else Zach Arnett is considering, you know, so you can't just say, oh, it's a mistake when perhaps he's got a better candidate out there. But, uh, you know, we'll see how things progress. But those are the things that I expect to see happen over the course of uh, the next several days. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks of Portico. I told you before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I'd move to Portico. I'd love to be that close to campus, but also kind of nestled away safely in a neighborhood off of 12, right? Not there up there on the main drag, but kind of off the beaten path a little bit. 
Very easy to get to. Turn off 82 on a 12 light. Go into campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. Very short, short drive to the four-way stop. Portico is right there on the right-hand side. Go by and check it out today. You'll be glad you did. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home. Go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. And really anything in between. If you need a custom build, they can help you with that. If you don't want to worry with that, they can help you with that too. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two under development now. Some of those homes are sold. Some are available, but also some lots available. So you can pick a lot, pick a house plan, and get things built to your specifications. Everybody deserves to do that at least once. Call my friend Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog. 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. And I suspect if you talk to him long enough, you might hear about him robbing a home run against the University of Washington in a regional that won the regional to send us to Omaha. I don't know if you know that. Um, he did. He's not just, uh, you know, this cool guy that rolls around with a buzz cut and scrubs on. The guy, hey, I think he could still play. I've joked with him before. I said, you know, Brooks, I think you could still play. He goes, I might have one one at-bat left in me. And I said, well, if that's the case, I'm calling a bunt. I'm going to make you leg it out. I could teach Brooks to bunt. I, I could do it. I could do it. I'm probably the best instructor of bunting that you've never known that's not a college coach. I, could, I can do it. I can tell you how to do it. I can teach you. Brooks, get at me. We'll take care of it. All right. So let's get after this final segment of the show. We uh, picked up a commitment over the weekend. You know, we had some official visitors in town, not a bunch of them. We had a few. And we picked up a commitment from a former Kentucky defensive back, Jacoby, call me Kobe Albert. Now, Jacoby Albert was one of the top prospects in the country out of high school. And that's the thing about this, uh, the portal stuff that I don't think that. Um, people fully appreciate it's like we only think about the guys we're losing we never think about the guys we're gaining now kobe we'll call him kobe his mama named him jacoby his friends call him kobe is from fairfield alabama went to fairfield preparatory school and looking back like at his he was a 247 sports four-star composite he was originally committed to Auburn. Everybody thought, hey, everything will be fine. He'll go to Auburn. There's no point in getting after him. He's going to Auburn. Then all the problems happened with Brian Harson over there. They began to rethink some things. Decommitted from Auburn late. Took a visit to Kentucky and jumped on the Kentucky bandwagon. You know, looking back here at his timeline, and you can do that yourself on 247 Sports. So he had committed to Auburn way back in August prior to his senior season and then took an official visit to Kentucky December the 10th and then backed off that Auburn pledge December 13th and then on signing day announces for Kentucky. That's back on December 15th. He was a summertime enrollment, played 10 games, a true freshman, and then entered the transfer portal. So he has four years left to play three. He is 5'11", 175 pounds. He can play corner or safety. I'm told he is athletic enough to do either. And that's a lot of time Mississippi State puts their five best DBs on the field regardless, right? But Jacoby Albert was considered the number 20 athlete in the country. 
rank a three-star by 247 Sports. But again, the rest of the industry liked him a little bit better. But 5'11", 175, you see pictures of this kid. I mean, his athleticism just jumps off the screen. But he took official visits to Michigan, Maryland, Auburn, and Kentucky. So it wasn't like, you know, he that, you know, Kentucky beat UAB or Memphis for him, all due respect to them. But this is a guy that had double-digit offers and took all of his visits and uh, is now prepared to enroll at Mississippi State. And you begin to think about this. We talk about rebuilding the secondary. You know, last year we had taken Jackie Matthews, and many of you didn't know much about Jackie. You know, we hyped him up some on the show and on the website. And I think Jackie easily met those expectations and that hype. And I remember watching him in fall camp this year. I'm thinking, you know, we didn't have a dog safety. And what I mean by that, not the position of a bulldog safety. We did not have a dog out there in the, in the secondary that would lay the lick to somebody. Now, Emmanuel Forbes would at corner, but we didn't have that guy that if you crossed the face of the safety that you paid for it. Jackie Matthews gave us that level of physicality. I think every one of you wishes Jackie was back. Jackie's going to try to go pro this year. Uh, got a little bit banged up and then didn't play in the bowl game, right? But Jackie is a dude. And so if we get the production level of Jackie Matthews out of these guys that we're signing out of the portal, I think we're going to feel really good about life. And I think when you look at the athleticism from Albert, I think you feel like, hey, this, this is a guy that could be another Jackie Matthews. Now, Jackie, I was a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, but the athleticism is there. There's no question about it. Jalen Green has obviously exhausted his eligibility. Colin Duncan has declared that he's entering the draft, but has not signed with an agent unless he's done it in recent days. So the doorway is still open for him to come back, but we could be replacing three starting safeties this year. Sean Preston is coming back. You know, Sean obviously will compete. It's been a very solid two deeper for State, been very good against the run. It started a few games for us. We feel good about the direction of things with Sean. You know, coverage at times has been a little bit up and down. But Sean is a very solid SEC player. And then you begin to work through this, and you begin to think about the fact that, uh, you know, you you have really worked hard in the portal on the defensive backfield. And we've got to get some offensive players kind of lined up now too, though. You know, that, that's the thing now. It's like you start thinking, okay, we're going to have a tight ends coach. Okay, well, who's playing tight end? We're just going to go pull some kids out of the stand? Well, well no, we're not going to do that. And we've got, uh, you know, got some guys coming in, you know, for visits. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later in the week. I mean, you know, the portal deadline is the 18th. That doesn't mean you have to have a decision made by the 18th. It is, you have to declare that you're transferring by January 18th. You can pick your school later, provided that you can get into school. And that's the thing with states uh, delayed enrollment date. I mean, it's all the way up to the drop ad date. And so, and there's even, even then there's some wiggle room. You know, Jalen Green was a guy, or maybe it was Marcus Banks. One of those guys was right up against it. And you had to go with the registrar's office and, and get that handled. But there's always some wiggle room. But when you start thinking about, number one, Isaac Smith, right? Gatorade player of the year at Itawamba High School. To be honest with you, I never really doubted he was coming. I may have been the only one uh, in the industry. There are a lot of people that thought he was going to go to LSU. I kept hearing that was too far away from home. I know some locals uh, tried to kind of, you know, push for LSU, not in an inappropriate way. I'm just saying there was a lot of people that were hope, hoping he'd go to LSU. But uh, he wanted to be close to family, you know, so they could come and share in the experience. I think Isaac Smith's a guy that will play as a true freshman. 
And you add Jacoby Albert. We just talked about him. And there's Christopher Keys. And I think Chris is a guy, too, that could be, you know, he could be a free safety. You know, he could be a Colin Duncan. You know, Chris is a guy that started some games last year for Indiana. Originally from Collins High School. You know, he's one of our more recent commitments. And you, you, you throw in Kamari Rodgers and Radar Jones. Now, those two guys don't have a ton of Power 5 experience. You know, Kamari played a little bit this year, of course, you know, basically a year removed from having an ACL tear. And that's that's a concern, right? I mean, he's had multiple ACL tears. How healthy and durable is he going to be? That's a concern. However, if he lives up to his potential, he could be the next great Mississippi State corner. There's Radar Jones, a guy that didn't play last year due to academics, <clears throat> but a guy that whose athleticism jumps off the charts. And he's got a chance now to kind of, uh, you know, reset his career and come in here and do some big things. But, yeah, we've done a great job going out and finding the guys. And, again, you didn't just go get two. So far you have four. Four defensive backs from the transfer portal that are coming in to kind of shore up and and compete for some of those positions that were opened up by some departures. And you know what you got with the Cambrian Richardson. So – it's going to, this spring's going to be important because you've got to find a way to get these guys to communicate, learn the system, and be ready to go so you don't have bust in the secondary. That's an important aspect of all this. But the raw materials to have a great secondary, it's already here. It's already here. And you start thinking about throwing big Eric Taylor in the mix on that defensive front, all 6'4", 295 pounds of him. And you start thinking, you know, you, you got some dudes here. You also got some young guys you can plug into that developmental pipeline at corner I think kind of feel good about the future. I like the class, but we're still an incomplete grade because of the fact we've got to find some guys on the offensive side of football. we got to get some tight ends. I mean, you got to think about this. You start thinking about uh, your sales pitch to recruits. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. uh, You want to play tight end? We don't have any. You know, we got some guys that maybe that have, uh, you know, grown up a little bit. We could probably bulk up a little bit. And, uh, you know, kind of see how things go. But we don't have a true tight end on the roster. Right? I think we all would agree with that. We don't. There's a lot of people that think, you know what? We've got um, we've got some options. We're running out of time, though. But Rylan Gody from Georgia has a COVID year left as a grad transfer. And he is visiting Mississippi State this coming weekend. Now, I understand we do have a connection here. I understand that um, there's somebody very close to him that is also considering Mississippi State. That could be a factor. They could be here together. We'll see how things progress. But, uh, you know, you got to go get a couple tight ends. You know, it's like you start thinking about Antonio Harmon. As long and big and athletic as he is, and that big frame he's got, yeah, he could probably add 15, 20 pounds, be an H-back type. I mean, yeah, could you see that? Absolutely, I could. I think Antonio Harmon's a great athlete. I do. And maybe this is the spot for him. But you've got to get some tight ends. I think you probably got to get a wide receiver. And if you hang on to Tulu, maybe you don't need that because of the fact you're not going to be doing a lot of four and five wides, right? I mean, you're not going to have maybe the same demand for receivers in this offense that you did last year. And I think you probably need to transfer a portal quarterback, even if it's a walk-on. You need to get somebody with some experience. You know, there was some discussion over the weekend that there was some flirtation between Will Rogers and Auburn, and then, of course, Will kind of puts uh, puts those rumors to bed. 
you know, well, of course, you know, we, you sweat everything out to the 18th, but I, I'm hearing that Chris Parson might actually be able to go through spring practice now. Maybe somewhat limited. You know, but Chris Parson was a little bit banged up toward the end of the year, but there's some discussion that by the time we get into spring practice, because it's a no-contact deal for quarterbacks, that Chris may be a full participant in spring practice. And so now all of a sudden, you know, your needs are maybe not quite as emergent. But, again, if Will gets hurt, you're having to put a true freshman out there. And so I think getting a veteran guy to come in as a backup is probably the right way to go. I think we'd all probably agree with that. And, and, and Will understands the team concept. Will doesn't mind competition. Will's not going to be threatened or challenged because you bring in another quarterback because Will understands the game of football. And I don't, I don't care if you go out and you're getting the starter from Northwestern State or from Stephen F. Austin. You get somebody like that and say, hey, listen, you could be a snap away from being the starter here. Yes, we have an established starter. Yes, we have Will Rogers, the most prolific passer in school history. But behind him, all we have is a true freshman. We need a guy. You can come in and compete for the job. It's a brand-new offense. You might beat Will out. I don't expect that. But if I'm telling a recruit that, I mean it. I mean, hey, the best guy's going to play. And you could say, you know what, Will was the best fit for the air raid. Maybe he's not the best fit for the scheme. You know, we'll see. But I think you can get a guy, and I don't, I don't care if it's a guy that was a backup somewhere else. You've got to have a guy with some college-level experience between Parson and Will Rogers. And, and you know what, maybe I'm completely wrong about that. I just don't believe that. I think you've got to have a guy. You listen, Jake Weir is here. Of course, walk-on from Tupelo. Very competitive guy, for sure. He's a great walk-on. And we just added a commitment from Vic Sutton. It's a guy that's got you know, a lot of Division I offers, and he got injured as a junior and uh, kind of played through some of that. He's not fully recovered. But, uh, again, that's another freshman, though, right? So I think you got to go out and get a guy. Again, whether he's a walk-on or a scholarship guy, I think you have to get a veteran quarterback to come in here, whether it be the spring or whatever. I think you've got to have somebody. Because what happens if Will Rogers – throws the ball away out of bounds and somebody hits him and, you know, and he gets injured. you got to miss a couple of weeks. What are you going to do? Or he's done for the year. What are you going to do? In my opinion, my estimation, what's best for the program is for us to have that guy. Again, maybe he's not as good as Will Rogers. But you've got to get somebody that can be serviceable as a game manager at the very least. I believe our needs are met at most other positions, but I'm told that we won't turn down a difference maker really at any position if we can get them. Anybody that makes us a better football team, we're going to entertain that, as we should. You know, before the coaching change, there was talk we had to have another receiver, you know, and with Xavion going in the portal and uh, Ra-Ra going in the portal and then now Tulu. I mean, you know, you've had uh, three of your receivers from last year that you're counting on go in the portal and Ra-Ra now is going to Georgia. Back-to-back NAFL champions. No chance of him coming back, and nor should he, right? But I think some other people have realized, too, that maybe they didn't command that same level of attention. Maybe they don't have that same level of ability. But we're not going to need as many receivers. So maybe with this change in scheme, we don't prioritize that. But if you get a difference maker, you got to take them. I think if you could get a transfer portal running back, maybe you entertain that. I don't know that it's a need, though. Again, if you can get a difference maker, you got to take them. But with Jeffrey Pittman coming in, Simeon Price coming back, Woody coming back, I feel like that you probably have got a pretty good stable there. 
you know, how many of those guys are going to get carries in a football game, right? You know, and Jeffrey Pittman, of course, there's always an adjustment coming from junior college. But I feel like, you know, he's going to be on the – basically, as far as a learning standpoint, he, day one with him is day one for everybody else learning a new offense. Jeffrey Pittman can play. You guys, you haven't heard the name a lot, and his commitment kind of flew under the radar a lot. Jeff can play. That kid's really good. He absolutely is, you know. From down there at Taylorsville, where they, they grow them pretty strong down on the farm down there. I think you can feel good about you know, the direction of things. But, uh, again, if you get a difference maker, you take them. But you got to get some tight ends. You absolutely have to. That's a big component of this offense. They like to do some play action stuff, some misdirection, and, and dump it off to the tight end out there in space and move the chains. You know, we've got some guys, of course, that are kind of hybrid guys, kind of tweeners. But you've got to go out and get a guy that's a true bona fide tight end. And maybe it's Goaty from Georgia. Maybe it is. I mean, the last guy we got from Georgia, Justin Robinson, turned out to be pretty good, right? I, mean, I even made Justin host him on the official visit this weekend, right? They'll have a lot in common. Probably glad to see each other. And Justin's the guy that I think is probably going to be the primary guy this year. You saw what he did down the stretch. Ends up being the MVP of the ReliQuest Bowl. Guy's really starting to come into his own. So you, you use the resources you have. But as far as defense goes, I mean, hey, if a rush in comes along, I got it, it's the relentless pass rush, you got to take him, right? But at this point, the depth of the talent pool in the transfer portal is not what it was a couple of weeks ago because now we're up against enrollment dates, right? And there are some people out there that maybe their options aren't quite what they thought they were. They might be willing to go ahead and make a change. And that's the thing, too, when you think about this portal stuff, too. A lot of people go in thinking they're going to be Joe Burrow. Okay, I've been a backup at Ohio State. I can't get on the field. I'm going to go to LSU, and I'm going to win a Heisman Trophy and an NFL championship. That's the exception rather than the rule, right? Because there are a lot of people. People forget there were thousands of players last year that went into the portal that are still in the portal. They're kind of in college football purgatory. What are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. If people don't want you, they don't want you. And so a lot of people go in thinking, hey, well, I'll go in the portal and then Alabama will sign. I mean, Georgia just won an AFL championship and they took, what, one kid in the portal? I think that's right, one. You know, the teams that are managing their rosters exceptionally well and developing players, they're going to kind of plug and play when they have an immediate need. They're not going to live off the portal. Some other people are chosen to do that. We'll see how that works out. But a lot of these student athletes go into this because there are people in their ears telling them, oh, well, you can get this and you can get that and you can get this. I mean, guys, we're looking at this story now that The Athletic has written. You know, and what a wild story this thing has been. You know, we, talk, th- th- we talked about this from the beginning, you know, when, um, when all this craziness happened with Miami, you know, with uh, – Jaden Rashada was supposed to go into Miami for $10 million, and then there was this $13 million deal for him to go to Florida. And now he's not enrolling because they don't have the money to pay him. And why would you pay him that lump sum up front anyway? Doesn't make any sense to me. You pay him $13 million and he tears an ACL or something happens, he has a career ending injury, and you pay all this money, and then you get nothing in return. That's why I don't think this thing is sustainable. Think about all the people they went to and said, hey, if you give us this money, we're going to be able to get this kid. And now you get him. And now you want to enroll because you don't have enough. Well, I paid my part of the freight. So how do you make that right with the donor? It's amazing. 
And there's a lot of stories out there about it. You know, Jaden Rashada, of course, backs off the Miami thing, commits to Florida, and now, you know, what's he going to do? The Gator Collective supposedly was behind all this thing, and um, they're not able to make good on the promise. There's other stories out there. You know, I've heard them, none to this significance, where kids have been promised one thing and then they don't deliver, so they go get in the portal. And so that's the danger of tying NIL to the portal. It's like we always think about, well, now, which is supposedly illegal. And that's the thing that I always say to enforce the rules. And we've always established that, you know, you can't use NIL as part of a recruiting incentive. You know, people do. But the reality of it is, is that there's some of these kids that are wising up and realizing they're getting sold a bill of goods. And now you've got this great big story involving this five-star quarterback that picked one one eight-figure deal over another, and now he's locked in with a national letter of intent, and he's not getting his money. So what's he going to do, get in the portal, go ahead and use his one-time transfer exception before he even sets foot on campus? It's amazing to see how this is all unfolding. But there are some other kids out there, I can tell you, that have not been – People have not come through, and that's the thing with all this, too. It's, it's become so shady. And there are other kids out there, too, that they agree to one deal, and then all of a sudden they find out that somebody else may have a better deal. So, well, you know, I know we agreed to this, but I found this out, so I need more money. But the days of people, you know, by and large, playing for the love of a university or a fan base or a state, I mean, those, those days in the minds of many people are over. And so Mississippi State has to find a way to navigate through all this. And I have a lot of confidence in the people that are involved in our our leadership and our decision-making processes. But it's a dangerous time. It makes it difficult to really enjoy college football. It really does. Now, tonight I'm going to watch uh, Dak play. And hopefully they can win a ball game and we can kind of move forward in playoffs. I'm a Steelers fan. We didn't make the playoffs this year, but I'm a Dak fan too. So I root for our guys in the league, and sometimes when they, they play against each other, it's kind of a conflict. But I'm looking forward to watching the ball game tonight. I hope you guys do too, and hopefully Dak can go down there and get a win in Tampa, which I think is stupid that what the Cowboys won four more games and have to go on the road. And people are like, well, you know, it's the rules. Well, maybe that rule needs to be changed. An 8-8 eight and eight team shouldn't be hosting a playoff game. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. That's how I feel, though. All right, listen, if you haven't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. You can get all my sports books there. That's Flim Flam, Alpha Dog, Stark Villains, and Dogpile. And if you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, we sold a bunch of those at Christmas. You can find that at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMillion.com, or your local bookstore can order it for you through Ingram if you want to give them the business. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. You get T-shirts and hoodies in a variety of colors and styles, and they'll ship those bad boys right out to you. If you're not a member of JeansPage.com, I encourage you to be, to be one. Uh, we had a record month in December, the, the most successful month in the history of this website. And it beat the previous record, which was November. It's like we're trending in the right direction, right? And so uh, doing really well. And uh, thanks to all of our great members for being a part of our family over there, jeanspage.com. Sometimes it gets a little bit contentious. It does. You know, sometimes there's some people that get a little smug and smart-alecky, and that's just talking about the staff, right? <laughs> you talk, Capital One, capital E, Anyway, let's get out of here today. Thanks so much for your support at the Boneyard. Again, I'm, I'm sorry I'm late doing this. I had a lot going on. But, uh, again, Monday and Wednesday and Friday's show this week. And, again, Friday's show will be recorded Thursday night. So when you get up on Friday, you'll be able to enjoy that early in the day. 
But until next time, it's all of our lives and a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.